This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. Today, Tukaranto is home to many Indigenous people from across Turtle Island, and we are grateful to work on this land. In order to meaningfully work towards collective liberation, we must center the Indigenous stewards of our land. Welcome to Breaking the Fourth Wall, a podcast by BIPOC TV and Film. I'm your host, Yasmin Kanji. I'm also the current advocacy and outreach lead at BIPOC TV and Film. I'm a filmmaker, a director, and the founder of Films with a Cause. We speak to rising and experienced creatives about their experiences in the industry, having faced inequities as they provide insight into their career paths, while considering ways to improve the working conditions for all creatives. We hope you enjoy wherever you are, no matter what you're doing or where you're going. For the final episode of Breaking the Fourth Wall's first ever season, we are joined by the highly accomplished Vinay Vermani. Vinay Vermani was born and raised in Toronto. After graduating York University, Vermani studied filmmaking and theater at New York's prestigious Lee Strasberg Institute. He wrote and starred in the hockey comedy Breakaway, followed by the highly successful Dr. Cabby where he was a writer, lead actor, and producer. Dr. Cabby broke the Canadian record for audience numbers on opening day. Vinay joined the cast of Canadian indie film The Steps, along with Jason Ritter and James Brolin, which was featured at TIFF 2015. His aptitude for production and interest in screenplay are showcased in films like Little Italy, The Grizzlies, Two Lovers and a Bear, as well as memorable titles like Deepa Mehta's 2005 drama film Water and the very popular Bollywood Hollywood. Featured as a panelist on CBC's Canada Reads and the annual Battle of the Books, the creative visioneer has broken social, cultural, and professional barriers in a highly competitive industry that continues to surprise us. His deep connection to film and experience in acting, writing, and production were elemental in the creation of First Take Entertainment. Driven by the belief that diversity in storytelling is the future of the film industry's ability to give life to real stories that span time and culture, FTE was created in the spirit of connecting people to compelling stories no matter where they are in the world. As the content industry continues to evolve, so does Vinay's vision. His latest appointment as partner-in-chief content officer with Uninterrupted, the joint venture founded by LeBron James and Maverick Carter, marks an industry turning point as the highly publicized expansion moves into the Canadian market, accompanied by a partnership with Drake. Vinay's latest role with the brand brings promise to the country's most celebrated and diverse group of athletes. Uninterrupted is a valuable creative endeavor and platform that will empower athletes to share their unique stories and authentic experiences with an audience that's ready to be inspired. Most recently, Vinay produced Black Ice, a 2022 Canadian documentary film directed by Hubert Davis. Executive producers of the film included Drake, LeBron James, and Maverick Carter. The film premiered at the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival, where it was winner of the People's Choice Award for Documentaries and was named to TIFF's annual year-end Canada's Top 10 list for 2022. Wow, (laughs) what a bio. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm really excited to get to the start of what all of this really was. So you went to York University. Yeah. Was Vinay at York University prepared for all these titles? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I mean, I mean, I was trying to figure it out. I always knew that I wanted to have a career in film and and tell stories. Uh, but I mean, I think I should I should start where like how I fell in love with 
movies and 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 just you know filmmaking and uh storytelling right it, it, it and for me it was a lot of my childhood um my father was a film producer and so i had the opportunity to just grow up on a lot of movie sets um and do odd jobs on a lot of movie sets um like when bollywood hollywood was being produced i remember i was on my summer holidays uh, my father was a producer on that film and i remember just being on set for three months and just uh, working different jobs and 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 Deepa telling me to do whatever needed to get done and just running around and um, just seeing the process of of just collaboration and and actors you know taking uh, lines on a page and really making it their own and um, you know like a set designer uh, you know reading it on the page and 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 just like the detail that they like immerse themselves in to just bring a story to life so. Um, just I have a, a lot of these memories growing up and and even just um, in the household, just constantly having filmmakers coming in and out to meet my dad or actors coming and just hearing different stories and pitches and things like that. So at, at a very early age, I really fell in love with the process of filmmaking and uh, just this world that, you know, you could you could just tell and create in these characters and um, so I always knew that I wanted to have a career somewhere in film. Uh, I went to York for business though, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah. which, which was interesting. But by my second year, I started taking all film electives. Mm. So pretty much my student life in university was like, I'd be in like labor economics and then I would be in like screenwriting. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I would, I yeah. was always trying to find that balance or I'd be in like statistics and then I'd be in like you know, acting for film and TV. Uh, so I think it's what honestly kept me motivated and sane throughout the university process. And, and that's why I always say like university is great. I'm, I'm a big proponent in, in going to university or just going to college um, just because of what those years represent and what they mean. Uh, but the fact that you can take so many different electives and really just have a curious mind and just immerse yourself in whatever you're interested in learning in. I, I really love that about university. So I think that's where like, I really found my passion when I really started to study, um, you know, film and, and production and all those things. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. yeah it definitely makes a big difference when you have a surrounding that encourages you to, you know, yeah. explore um, creative interests. So yeah. And that's, that's what awesome. I loved about York. Honestly, I, yeah. I really love that about York. I think they have like an amazing film program they have an amazing writing program. Um, and I think like for me, it was, uh, I, I really enjoyed the process of writing, even if it was just writing papers and, and writing pieces of papers and whatever it is. It's, I think it like really taught me um, how to do my research, which I think is a really great part about university and why I also encourage it because it just helps you formulate your own opinion in, in like your own thesis. And I think that's a really great skill to have. Definitely. And then at, at what point did it click for you that you wanted to move to New York and have an experience outside of Toronto? Uh, probably my fourth year university. Uh, so I was in New York for about two, three years off and on. Um, I still say like one of the best experiences of my life. Like I look back at those years so fondly, mm-hmm. uh, just being a young film student in Union Square running around making short films uh with these new friends that you're making and people from all around the world that come to study film and um yeah i i I just i just really enjoyed those couple years that i was there in new york such 
an incredible city, right? With just so much going on, so much diversity, so many different people from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. And and even like after school, you're still immersing yourself in 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 whether you're gonna go see a play or go going to see stand-up or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, you're just constantly surrounded by artists mm -hmm. uh, and actors and storytelling and just performance in general. So I I really loved, just loved every bit of those three years. Definitely. Now now I'm second thinking about where I'm going to be in the next couple of years. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be New York. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about representation. Obviously, as we know, South Asians have been consistently mocked in mainstream media and roles such as Apu from The Simpsons, which is referenced quite a bit. Yeah. So what helped you go against the grain and build this incredible career for yourself in the same industry? Uh, that's a really great question. And and again, it's I, I was and you're right, like we didn't have a lot of on screen um, representation mm -hmm. or, or or role models that I think we could really identify with and see ourselves in, uh, but also how would we like to be projected and, and, and what are the things that we as a community are dealing with, right? That Those stories were never really told mm -hmm. growing up. So I think just realizing that there was uh, a need for that. Um, you know, when my, my, my career, I'll say, like really started with Breakaway. Uh, and it was a uh, sort of a script and a story that I was always working on, um, being a big hockey fan, taking elements of my own life conversations with my father or uh, just different sort of cultural dilemmas that I found myself in. Um, I kind of put that all into breakaway uh, friends that I'd grown up with, like so many different, like if, if, if you, if you watch the film, like I'll be like, yeah, that's from mm -hmm. this cousin or that's from that thing right. that I heard or whatever. Um, and again, like I've always believed in like, write what you know. Mm -hmm. And, and I really knew the world of breakaway. Like it felt like Brampton or Surrey, BC or Mississauga. And it was, it was fun. It was colorful. It was diverse. It was, it was, it was so many different things. It was a fun film. And, and I, but it also dealt with like really important issues. And so I wrote what I knew and I was like, this is this thing that I want to make. Um, and at that time, the industry here thought that we were absolutely nuts. Mm -hmm. because we were taking the script all around town, uh, which had a, you know, slightly higher budget uh, by, by Canadian film standards. It was about, you know, five boys with turbans that want to play ice hockey. <laughs> wow. Um, no one was eating that up? Nobody really? was, nobody wow, was I'm eating shocked. that up. Nobody was <laughs> eating that up. And, and I will tell you this today, you know, Breakaway Today, 10, 12 years later, you know, it's it's kind of a cult film in Canada. It gets screens at over mm -hmm. 200 high schools a year. The government uses it to welcome new Canadians. It's wow. like their first exposure to Canadian film. Um, you know, even at the time, like the box office wise, people had no expectations from it. Mm -hmm. But like my father and, my, and, and myself, we knew that like if this film is marketed properly, there will be a huge audience for it because yeah. South Asians love their movies. Yes. I mean, even today, if you go to any Cineplex, you'll see two yes. South Asian films in top 10 in Canada at any, at any given yeah. week. So we always knew there was an audience there and Bollywood Hollywood had done really well. And uh, I think people had no expectations from this film. There were so many stories that I can tell about us just being rejected and people had turned down the film only for a year later, just be like, Oh wow, this is great. You know? And uh 
but no, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. And, and honestly, for me, like I never even thought I would be acting. Uh, it was just sort of being at the right place at the right time. I think so much of the film was inspired by my own life. Mm-hmm. So the director at the time was just like, do it, you know, hop into it. Right. And, yeah. and I'm one of those people that kind of says yes to everything. And, and, and I like to throw myself in, in just challenging situations. And uh, I really enjoyed the process. Mm-hmm. It was a ton of fun. Um, but yeah, no, that's really kind of, I think where my career really started and, and, uh, you know, I kind of made it my mission that like, I want to tell really diverse stories and, and, and sometimes package them up in a really interesting commercial way. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's an amazing lesson for especially emerging filmmakers to take away when thinking about what they want their first projects to look like. And I think writing from what you know is really the best way to to start because it's authentic. Exactly. And all the material is right around you. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say though, that you got to keep notes. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big note taker, whether it's just in my phone and notes or whatever, or taking pictures. I, I, I feel like, um, you got to have record, you know, and you got to have, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes I'll just go back and I'll be like, yeah, like somebody said this one quote, or I really love this piece of art, or I love this, or I love that. Like, I just, I'm, I'm just a big note taker in my head. Uh, and I think that's really helped me throughout my career. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting that, I mean, so, you know, your, your father working in Bollywood and you being yeah. able to observe a lot of that. And I think maybe even gave you that sense of audacity to go out and make this film, even though everyone was saying no. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, the influence that that your father had maybe in, in you deciding that this was fully what you were going to go after? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, first of all, I knew that I think I think, again, just being around so many filmmakers, directors, actors, producers, and even seeing it from, you know, some of his own hits or misses. I always knew that it's it's honestly one of the most difficult careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it really is because it's also so subjective. Somebody could read a script. Somebody could say, "Hey, this is great," but you could also say, "Yeah, for me, right?" Um, so what I found is that you really have to have a vision, and and a lot of filmmaking and a lot of producing. I could speak more of it as a as a producer because I have not yet directed. I don't I don't know if I ever want to direct. Right. It's, 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 I mean, you you know you know. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of being a producer is having a vision and being so passionate about that vision and seeing it so clearly, but also just having the ability to sell that vision in a room. Because from an idea stage to it actually getting greenlit, it's all about your passion and your vision. You have to be relentless, right? Definitely. You almost have to be, and, and, and this is the way I've been in my career, right or wrong. I've, I've honestly been obsessive about mm-hmm. projects. Yeah. Like to I think you have to be. Like you have to <laughs> you have to be so madly obsessed with that project, yeah. that story. Um, you know, I know we're jumping, but but Black Ice is yeah. a perfect example of it. Uh for years I was just obsessed with this story mm-hmm. and the importance of the black contribution to the game of ice hockey, this history that was not told. Um, you know, and and for years just trying to convince people that you have to tell the story. You have to empower us to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And obviously the timing uh, came together in, in the most beautiful way, in the most impactful way. But we'll, 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 we'll get into that. But yeah, you have to just be like really obsessed. Definitely. Um, do you find that there is a, a common thread in, you know, in the projects that you choose to, to work on? Early on there was. Um, I think for me, I, um, 
whether it was Bollywood, Hollywood, Breakaway, Dr. Cabby, Little Italy. Yeah, they were they were they were a bit more on the fun commercial side, mm-hmm. uh, a bit broad, if you will. Yeah, and and that's by design. I don't I don't I've never looked at the word broad uh, as bad. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, movies is also a business as well, mm-hmm. right? And and we make films because we want them to be seen by the widest by the widest audience yeah. possible. So I think sometimes the word broad or or broad comedy or romantic comedy sometimes has like a negative connotation attached to it in in a way or or mm-hmm. uh, but I don't I don't I don't look at it like that. I mean, some of my most precious memories growing up are going with my family to watch a movie, and that's yeah. everybody my my siblings, my grandparents, my parents, and I and I love that unifying experience. And and a lot of my I think early uh, inspirations came from uh Bollywood yeah. cinema and and just the happiness of it and mm-hmm. and the fact that like a whole family can go together and everybody can take something from a film and it can yeah. make you laugh it can make you cry it can create so many different emotions and packaged up really nicely so i think a lot of my early like inspirations were from that um but i think as i started to grow as a producer um I wanted to really challenge myself to tell different stories, mm-hmm. but I'd always balance it out. So if I was involved in A Little Italy, which is the most broad romantic comedy, mm-hmm. but it's fun and yeah. it's like a guilty pleasure, then I would also get involved in like a Two Lovers and a Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'd also do a Steps, but then I'd also do like the Grizzlies, right. for example, right? So I've always tried to kind of balance it out from a genre standpoint mm-hmm. and just try different genres and just immerse myself in it and and obviously work with great filmmakers. Um, and then of course, right, even on like the documentary side, um, you know, realizing the responsibility that we have as a producer. Yeah. Um, you know, Black Ice for me, uh, I realized that like documentary film comes with such a big responsibility. For me, it was like my first big feature doc. Mm-hmm. And uh uh, it's it's really just changed my perspective. So now, even when I'm looking at other documentaries to get behind, uh, I realize like the importance of documentary filmmaking, but also what a privilege it is. You know, it's it, it's an immense privilege. Definitely, yeah. So you said a couple of things that I want to speak to. I think first of all, we're so lucky to have grown up in South Asian culture and, yeah. and in Bollywood, and now be able to you know work in the industry, which is amazing because it's just. It, it's what you said, like it's such a unifying experience and it's a family experience. So it's so core to, yeah, the upbringing of a lot of, you know, South yeah. Asian people. And I thought it was a thing that everyone did, like going to the movies with their yeah, families, exactly, yeah. you know, yeah. like the entire, like, like everyone's there, you know, yeah. like grandma, aunt, like siblings, cousins, like all going to see and a I movie. I love those you know? films. I love those yeah. films. I don't know why critics are so hard on those films. I know. I don't get it. Like, and honestly, I've stopped caring about that. Yeah, it's about your enjoyment. It's, it's right? about the enjoyment, right? Yeah. Like, look, I'll be honest with you. Mostly all the comedies we've done have not been uh, reviewed well right. critically. And and I just feel like in general, for some reason, like comedies and romantic comedies, for some reason, are are just, you know, they're called cliched. Or yeah, just, but you people know, still watch them. People, people still watch enjoy them. them. People still so. watch them. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'll t- and again, talking about like the business of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I look at a film like Little Italy, okay, which is like, you know, a very funny Romeo Juliet, and it's and it's 
very um you know it's 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 big characters and it's and it's you know one of those romantic comedies that still ends in an airport chase scene of course it does right and and all that and out of our company it's it's a film that was one of the worst reviewed films mm. right however wow. however it's one of the most successful films for my company right it's a film that uh every single partner and studio made their money back on Mm-hmm. It's a Canadian film that sold, obviously, the E1 in Canada, Lionsgate in the US, Universal internationally picked up the rights for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm proud that as, 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 as a film, as a Canadian film, the film was distributed all across the world mm-hmm. by major studios. Um, and it's a film that's actually made money for us. Yeah. And, and I still see how many people come up to me and are like, Oh, we had like this pizza night and wine night and me and my girlfriends enjoyed it. And we had such a great time. And I'm like, that's what it's about. Totally. And I think early on in my career, I was just be like going on Twitter or going and looking at the reviews. And I'm yeah. like, you can't like, just let all that, like, like stick to your vision. And you got to yeah. understand like your intention behind each project. What do you like? What is your intention behind it? And what are you going into it for? Mm-hmm. And who is it for? And who is it for? Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's maybe it's not for the critics, you know, it's, not for, the critics. it's, yeah. it's for, it's for that audience that, yeah. you know, they're, they're at home having their wine and pizza night. It's, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I've, I mean, something I talk to a lot of filmmakers of color about is this sort of unseen pressure to have to make films that are only about your communities or only about strife and struggle and just, you know, really hard hitting um, films. But I find it so interesting that you, you you know, you have this strategy of wanting to do so many different Mm -hmm. kinds of, of films and, you know, creative projects. Do you want to speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's also, I've been blessed with the material that has come my way. Right. And again, I think that like, I, I think I'll always have a soft spot for the South Asian story. Definitely. Um, actually not a lot of people know, but like before it was Little Italy, it was actually Little India. Oh. Um, and it was about these two warring restaurants and their kids falling in love. Oh, okay. It was really, it was really uh, a fun concept, but we couldn't get funding for it as Little India. Wow. So I, I think for me, like I'll always have a soft spot for the South Asian story. Like right. even now there's about three things on my development slate. Um, Cause I, I'm, I'm missing that world. <laughs> to yeah, of course. And, 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 uh, and, I, and I would love, cause I, cause I also talked to so many people and they're like, we miss those movies. You know, mm-hmm. we miss the Bandit like Beckhams and the yeah. Monsoon Weddings and the Breakaway. Like we do like really miss it right now. So, um, so that's a big focus for me in in sort of twenty four is is kind of cracking that project and 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 honestly, I'm saying this now like like just doing something light and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just want to do something fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we need uh, we need some of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think our, a lot of our communities have been holding out uh holding out for that too so yeah but no i've been lucky honestly like whether it was um the grizzlies uh was was an incredibly important film Mm -hmm. or black ice i've just been really lucky that like other partners and directors have like trusted me to get involved in telling those stories Mm -hmm. Um, but again like i said it comes with a ton of responsibility yeah Absolutely. So going back to Black Ice, so directed by Hubert Davis, so cinematically engaging, especially as a doc, it was very excited, very exciting to see something so visually stunning. So explores the experiences of Black hockey players historically to the present. I was there at at a primetime in Mm -hmm. Ottawa and and the Q&A was just 
incredible. And people were so thankful for the story, especially, you know, it being in, in Ottawa and the capital. And obviously, it's a very complicated history to and not just history, but, you know, current, you know, yeah. set of experiences that people, you know, have a hard time grappling with. But what what was your aim with with that doc? So so black ice and sort of the history around black ice uh, specifically, which dates back to like the 1800s, the 1890s mm-hmm. uh, about the Colored Hockey League and the contribution and the innovations that the black community made to the game. First of all, like I'm surprised that it took this long for the story to be told. Yeah. I know that a lot of filmmakers have been trying to make the film for 25, 30 years, but it was very difficult to get uh, a lot of networks and funders on board which is which is mm. really unfortunate. We decided to approach the film as kind of a past present uh in future story and really ask the question like how far have we really come mm-hmm. since that time uh looking at what a lot of players are going to going through in the isolation that they feel in the game. Um so first of all like for me after the first couple of days of filming I realized that my job as a producer is is really to be an incredible ally through this process. Mm-hmm. And I can only do that if I'm a good listener. Mm-hmm. Because this was a film, and I think the the impact and the success of the film was dependent on the athletes feeling safe yes. and feeling secure. And credit to our director, Hubert Davis, that created a set and an atmosphere that I mean, if you watch the film, the way the athletes have have told their truths in a sport that, you know, is not accepting of those truths mm-hmm. or people can feel very uncomfortable when those truths are told. Uh, it was very important that we create a set where they're welcome, they feel safe and they feel secure to tell their stories. And so early on, I knew that that in this instance, as a producer, I have to be a good listener and they have to do the talking. And we have to sort of empower whatever it is the director needs or the athletes needs to tell their story. Yeah. So that was really, really important. And I think that um, the film is successful because of the athletes. Definitely. I think when characters can express vulnerability on screen, like that just makes the best you yeah, know, work yeah. come out. But yeah, I think it takes a really special team to be able to bring out that kind of authenticity, especially for a doc exactly what you said where they haven't been encouraged to speak publicly about yeah. their truths and i found that there's a a lot of parallels with the film and tv industry you know i just kept thinking about the work that we do at bipoc tv mm-hmm. and film and and our communities and i know you know you've been drawn to you know this topic of representation within sports what do you find are some of those parallels definitely a lot of parallels i think that uh there are certain institutions in place that um, need to be challenged mm-hmm. and need to evolve. And I think that when we approach Black Ice, yes, it's about hockey, but it's about a larger conversation about systemic racism mm-hmm. and challenging certain institutions that have been in place. So whether that's TV, film, radio, music, whatever it is, yeah. uh, the same principles um, apply. And I think the same um, the same walls are up. And I think that one one thing that was very interesting for me to learn is that even when people of color are brought into those spaces, they're brought in in a very uh, predatory way. Right. Um, 
And and again, it, 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 what I love about Black Ice is it's a great understanding of systemic racism. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, there's a lot to take from that, for sure. And I think that, you know, that's my advice to a lot of young artists and filmmakers that, um, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak your truth and your experiences um, because of how uncomfortable it may make somebody on the other side mm-hmm. of it feel. Yeah, and these institutions need to hear us speaking up because we're the future of the economy of exactly. this of this sector, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think there needs to be an open dialogue to evolve because... Because audiences are yeah, changing. Exactly. Right? Audiences are changing. And, and again, I've seen this in my career from 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 really from from breakaway to black ice Mm -hmm. which is that why aren't these stories considered mainstream yeah what does that even mean and and i have got that feedback from executives in my 12 15 year career of of oh you know um is this mainstream or Mm -hmm. or the question that really drives me crazy this is this is the one that just it doesn't happen so much anymore thankfully so things are evolving a Mm -hmm. little bit but i can't tell you how many times i've walked in with scripts or stories or projects that that are about say south asian leads or or, yeah or or, or whatever it may be and i get this question which is who's the audience for this Mm -hmm. that question drives me crazy who's the audience for this in canada yeah we've got everyone (laughs) we've got everyone's the audience for this yeah yeah you know yeah so tell me more about that how do filmmakers navigate that question because whether it's you know a short film a grant that they're applying to or it's a feature they're going in for a meeting with a broadcast or a network like that question is always going to be there so yeah i think i think you got to know your audience for sure but but uh, you know at the end of the day you got to know your tone and you got to know you know sort of the genre and all that but uh, but I mean, those questions used to be asked more from a um, ethnicity point of view, right? right. And, and and again, I think I think that has evolved for sure. Um, but yeah, I just I just think like you have to be um, very committed. Like I said, you have to be very obsessed. You have mm-hmm. to really just um, you know constantly look. And in in a big part of this business is you, is you just constantly have to sell your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, at every step of the way. If you're not selling your vision to um, networks or producers, you're going to sell it on set to your creative team, et cetera. Or, you know, when time when it comes time to market, uh, whatever it is you're making, it's, it's, it's constantly a sell. Yeah, so. definitely. So impact is something that clearly is very important to you. Yeah. So I'm curious with in- uninterrupted, what you're trying to achieve when it comes to impact and where those priorities for you so uh uninterrupted is an incredible platform company one that i'm honored to partner in and 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 really bring to canada i think what lebron and maverick have built is is a company that stands for empowerment originally empowerment of athletes because uh, we know athletes have a tremendous influence on not only sports but culture, politics, yeah. and and that was the original thought of of empowering today's modern athlete to be more than just an athlete and to tell their story and to share their truths and to help them build a platform. And over time, now uninterrupted has evolved as a company that stands for empowerment of the athlete, but also the creator. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud that 
in our short, you know, three, four years that the studio has come to Canada. Like we've made about seven or eight docs, all of them directed by diverse filmmakers from all across the country. It's, it's a company that just stands for inspiration, empowerment, um, and finding that greatness in every individual that touches a project. Yeah, absolutely. And so in working with BIPOC TV and film, you were a big part of being able to create a short film lab that had two filmmakers be able to bring their visions to life, which yeah. is awesome because we have very little you know, funding and support towards short films right now. There's been a lot of, a lot of cuts. So why, why was that so important for you to be a part of? Just because I think that the, uh, the best way to, you know, whether it's mentor young filmmakers or, or, or really get them started is, is to get them on set. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge believer in that. And I was very fortunate to team up with uh, BIPOC Film and TV, who were fantastic partners. And together what we did is we said, look, we're going to take uh, $25,000, um, which was uh, from myself. And I said, what I want to do is um, get filmmakers on a set. I don't want to allocate this money to data collection or whatever it is. And sure, all that's important. But for me, what's important, and I think the greatest education is being on a set and, mm -hmm. and just learning to figure it out. Um, so what we did was, is, is we said, we're going to take $25,000. We're going to give it to two filmmakers um, to make a short film. But, but we were very specific with one thing. And this is what also based on kind of, I've seen uh, filmmakers like approaching short film is that we want those short films to be proof of concepts for something larger. So whether that's a proof of concept for a larger film or a series uh, it just can't be like a one-off. Yeah, And I think that uh, that was also really important because then that short film can essentially change somebody's career or, or, or give them that start that they're looking for. Because now you can walk in to a network or a streamer or a studio and say, this is my vision. In these five, six minutes, you can see what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. um, right? Because, you know, we also live in a business where if you can't, see it you can't really believe it right and, and and i love that idea of giving a passionate filmmaker the resource and the ability to say here's my film this is my vision this is how i'm going to shoot it this is the performance i'm going to get out um so very proud of how that went two incredible short films were made uh one out of bc one out of toronto and i can't wait to do uh the next round of that yeah, that's that's awesome. And I'm sure it's very appreciated by everyone who, you know, has that yeah. has that vision, but is just trying to find that next step to take. Yeah. So that's awesome. So, you know, with all with all this that you're doing right now, I, I'm really curious how how you juggle it all and how, how you manage it. I think it's it's really challenging when you're sort of, you know, a multi-passionate person and you know, you you have your business ventures and also yeah you know, being so creative and, you know, you've been an actor, producer. So I'm really curious how you decide where to put your energy towards, even if it's like, you know, any given year, any given month, any given week, like that's something that I'm kind of struggling with and wanting right. to figure out in the new year. So yeah. What does that, what does that look like for you? Um, well, first of all, uh, I love what I do so much. And as cliche as this sounds, uh, but I've, I honestly believe it is, it is the truth. It doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. We are very blessed to 
to to be doing what we're doing. And I think that sometimes as filmmakers or or as people in uh, film, TV, media, we don't realize how lucky we are. Like we're really blessed to uh, be involved in this profession. Um, so for me, it doesn't feel like work because yeah. because I'm just constantly inspired. And I have this feeling where most nights when I go to sleep, I'm so excited to get up the next morning. Yeah, where I can't sleep because I'm just so wow. excited. Wow, is that so, every night for you? It's, it's not every exhausting. night. <laughs> it's, it's honestly not every night. Yeah, and and but but it is it is so true. Yeah. Um. Or if I know like I'm gonna watch a cut of something, mm-hmm. or if I'm gonna like read a script that I'm really looking forward to reading, or, yeah. or 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 just whatever it can be. Right. It's it's I'm I'm just genuinely excited. Um for just every day mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of what's going to come out of that because we're in a business that's also just so organic in the way it evolves and the way stories evolve and the way projects evolve that it's fun. It's not predictable. Yeah. So a lot of like my life is based between uninterrupted and sort of our own film and television company first take. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of find balance between both of those. Okay. So between both those companies, we probably have about 12 people that are like a part of the team mm-hmm. um mostly a very young energetic diverse creative team um who i'm very fortunate that i get to surround myself around and uh we have a couple of lines of businesses so we obviously have like the feature and the feature doc division and that's where i'm very hands-on so a lot of my day is reading scripts um uh, taking different meetings um uh, meeting with different filmmakers uh, a lot of just like just thinking about what type of projects I want to do. And, 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 and obviously there's that. Um, then we have like our branded content division, which is an interesting trend over the last three or four years where essentially brands want to tell stories and not stories in the traditional 15 to 30 second television ads that we've seen, but mm-hmm. almost like short films or, or like kind of projects that are five, six minutes, uh, yeah. you know, in length. So we have a big branded content division and I love overseeing that as well um, because I just love still storytelling. And uh, and that's fun because we're also creating a lot of our own IP, a lot of our own formats. So yeah, I kind of dabble between kind of the film and television side and then sort of the branded side. And then obviously Uninterrupted being um, kind of a public facing brand on the sports side, just, you know, sitting with the social teams and just seeing what they're up to. And, and you know, it's really a platform that weighs in on sports and culture. So um so yeah that's that's sort of it but then i also make it a point i will say this that i like to watch a film or something every day every day every day okay and and i usually it's usually at night yeah um and and again like we're in this amazing time where there's so much content out Mm -hmm. there so many different films and docs and series to start so yeah um i usually end my day by like watching something right um Short form or long form? Long form, short form, whatever it is. It could be a great doc on something. I just like to learn something new every day. Definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I try and make time for that too. I just watched a Nyad. I don't know if you've seen that yet. uh, On Netflix recently. It's about um, the swimmer who went from Florida to Cuba and just kept going over and Uh over. But I love these films that are really going to push me towards, you know, motivation for whatever I have to do that week. I used to be, and and I'll also say this, that like, I think, um, 
and, 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 and I have to admit, I'm not as disciplined on it now. Yeah. Um, but I used to try to read a script every day as well. Okay. And, yeah. And, and, and now just with life being so busy, mm-hmm. I don't have the time, but at least I try to read at least two to three scripts a week. Mm-hmm. Cause that's something that I, I just feel people don't read anymore. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and, and, and whether screenplay is good or bad or whatever, mm-hmm. like I, I'm just, I'm like, I'm still one of those people that's like, I'm a big fan of just still reading. Yeah. And, and I like to print my scripts with a pencil and, and I'm still very like, love to see it on the page. Yeah. Um, so I feel like definitely like immerse yourself and just watching a lot. Like what are people making? How are they editing? What are the choices yeah. that they're making? But also like reading is really important. And, and I don't mm. think people read as much anymore. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. So you've, you know, been in a lot of different areas already. So I'm wondering, is there anything left for Vinay? Is there anything <laughs> left that you haven't accomplished yet or anything that you're reaching for right now? Something that you want to try that, you know, hasn't happened yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, lots of things for sure. Um, you know, I think, I think my ultimate dream is, is to really, um, is, is, is to really build, uh, an impactful studio mm-hmm. in this country that, that has, you know, different lines of business and storytelling, be it features, television, documentaries, branded advertising. Like, I think like, I really want to have that come together, but I think my ultimate goal is, is to really build a studio, which is also like a community space as well, Mm -hmm. um, that has an incredible focus on mentorship and, 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 and just, it's just a really cool space. So I think that's like my ultimate dream yeah. uh, and i think we're getting there slowly um directing's interesting mm-hmm. uh i don't know you I, did just you did say at the start uh, yeah, of the episode I, you never would you but know I I, I, I I i i think about it a lot i first of all i have i have so much respect for directors yeah uh, like yourself i think that it is honestly one of the hardest things to do mm-hmm. I, I think that i i often say that like and i've seen it so much in my own career mm-hmm. where you'll be in prep and you'll be living through a script or a project, but yet you'll get on set and it's still constant problem solving. Yes. It and never it, stops. It never stops. <laughs> and I admire directors yeah. because when you're on a set, there's never enough time. Yeah. There's never enough money. Never. There's never enough days. And you are solving a hundred different departments problems, but still trying to like stick to your vision of like yeah. being in the moment. Yeah. Um, so I have so much respect <laughs> for directors uh i i find it very intimidating mm-hmm. um but you never know you never know you never know yeah see. yeah i think with me it's just kind of i go into like a laser focus yeah. where i'm not even like thinking it's just like i i tell this to you know more em- emerging directors sometimes that you know, you just have to get so comfortable with your material. You, you have know? to like know it like the back. You have to yeah. know it so well. You have to be living through it. You have to know the the inner workings of the characters' minds, you know, because when you're there on set, like you can't be making decisions. You have to know, like you have to react like instinctively almost, right? Yeah. Like it's so, yeah. And but, I mean, you're losing time. You lose much, so you have to just do it but i will say the best directors that that i've seen either just from like afar or even like in the process mm-hmm. are the ones that also come to a set with an open mind yeah and and really let everybody like their heads of departments and their actors bring their interpretation as yeah. well to it uh and it can be as something as simple as like you know letting actors block a scene 
Mm-hmm. You know, I love those directors that have an idea of it and yeah. prep, but really are like, okay, I'll light around you. Mm-hmm. You guys figure it out a little yeah. bit and guide the process. But like, I think those are the best. Like, I love those directors yeah. that that have that vision, but yeah. still are like, you know, looking yeah. to everybody else because like that project essentially like is made with incredible cl- like collaboration, yeah. right? And 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 so yeah, those are those are often like um, the best directors I've seen that that really like get everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, film is a collaborative medium, so you have to be able to trust everyone that you're bringing on to be able to contribute everything that that they're bringing to the table. So yeah, yeah I love that. So we're nearing the end. I have a couple of rapid fire questions. What do you feel we should be prioritizing more in our days? Like we as... Just in general, like filmmakers, yeah, creative people, Uh, people who are busy. I think we should prioritize reading. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. a big one for me. Yeah. And we should prioritize just learning about something new. New, yeah. Being curious. I love that. What film or TV character did you relate to growing up? <laughs> uh, I will say that I really related to um, the lead of Bend It Like Beckham. Mm. I forgot the character's name. Yeah. Well, I've watched this movie a billion times and I still can't remember. Hold it. on. No, we're going yeah. to look this up. It's going to yes. seconds and we can edit around it while I look it up. So I can give yeah, no, I've seen this. It's like the Bride, uh, Bride and Prejudice, and Bennett like Beckham. I like the I just I, films. I actually just watched that. Not for the first time. Jess's character. Jess. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I okay. really related to the character of Jess yeah. and Bennett like Beckham. Okay. That that love, that that love, film love. really inspired me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was a film that I I anytime it's always on, I can still just always watch it. It's it's yeah. just such a it's just such a happy heartfelt honest authentic film and and i just loved that character of jess what is the best piece of advice you've ever received just to never stop learning Mm -hmm. just just to constantly learn and evolve and ask questions yeah i love that this was a very enlightening episode even just for me at the stage that i'm at in my creative journey so yeah i'm very grateful And, and, and look i'll say this is is you really just have to like love what you do. Yeah. In this in this business, you just have to be like super passionate about it. Like for me, it's is as much as I enjoyed acting. I think why I transitioned to a producer is because like I I I'm really motivated to be a great producer. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm ready to put in the work uh to be a great producer, to to see all levels of a project. Like I really enjoy that. And I think you really have to ask yourself in this whole crazy business that we're in is like what area do you like really love and what area do you think that you can aspire to really be great in? Yeah. You know, and if that's being a great director, then, then do whatever it takes to be a great director. Yeah. You know, if that's a great producer, understand what it, what it is to be a producer. Like a lot of people ask me, like, what does a producer do? Yeah. I get, I get that question a lot, right? Wow. Everything? And, <laughs> everything. And, it, and it's, and it's everything. But honestly, what I think a producer does, at least for me mm-hmm. is, a producer is a curator. Mm. Producing is curation. Mm-hmm. It's about it's about finding those stories. It's about really doing your research and immersing yourself, working with the writing team, um, you know, watching other films, 
chasing down IP, rights, this, that, like reading an article and being like, wow, hold on, can we make a film off this or something, right? It's really about constant curiosity. I think that's where for me, like being a producer starts from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest obviously follows on on all the other stuff. But yeah, but yeah I, I just think like for me, it's, it's this is what I'm really enjoying doing right now. And uh, yeah, it's a tough profession. But yeah. like, like we all know, you just got to be relentless and, and, and there's nothing wrong in being obsessed. Definitely. Well, I think that's a great place to stop. Thank you so yeah, much for coming you. to the studio, for doing this interview. Was, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this last episode of season one of Breaking the Fourth Wall. We will be back in 2024 with season two. Stay tuned and stay well. This podcast is recorded at the Allen Slate Radio Institute at Toronto Metropolitan University. For more information about this week's guests and their work, please see the episode's description. If you have episode requests, send us a message via our Instagram DMs. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time and take care.